an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. He watches this. He must watch this 10 times a day. There are two things. He loves My Fair Lady, watches that over and over again. And he loves, there's this documentary on Jews on Broadway. (laughs) And he watches that, I don't know, five times a day, 10 times a day, over and over and over and over again. Completely Mm -hmm. forgetting that he's seen it before. Every once in a while, he'll say, this looks a little familiar. Have we watched this before? (laughs) No, never saw it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, those characters. Well, I could recite the entire documentary myself by heart. Hello and welcome to Dementia Discussions, the podcast for and about caregivers. If you'd like to share your caregiving story with me, I'd love to hear it. Please call me at 310-362-8232 or email me at DementiaDiscussions.net. I'm so thrilled to have my next guest with me here this morning. Valerie Rennert was my college roommate way back. Valerie, it is a thrill to have you here today. Thank you for coming on the show. So excited to be here with you. Sadly, we're here to talk about your dad, who we affectionately called Battling Bob back in the day. I have to say your dad was bigger than life. I remember him as just such an intelligent man, so involved in your studies in your life, love to call you in the morning bright and early, like have major discussions with you about whatever was happening. So the fact that we're here years later talking about him, is just, oh, it's sad. So tell me about your dad. You know, it's sad, but it's not so sad. He's 92. 92. Can't really remember anything, but he's happy. There is a silver lining here. And the silver lining is that when you don't remember anything, I think you can't be stressed. He's just happy, go lucky. (laughs) And bring us back a little bit when this all started. I was thinking about that this morning, trying to sort of pinpoint when it happened. And I'm not exactly sure. He stopped teaching. He was a law professor for many years and truly was remains to be one of the smartest people I have ever encountered in my life. He had really a brilliant brain, you know, wrote books and was accomplished and recognized by his peers and law professors and congressmen and everyone for doing a lot of, you know, cutting edge work in his field. And I think he retired when he was 70 and started teaching sort of part time. And I think maybe five years, I'm not exactly sure of the timing, sometime in his 70s, we noticed my mother was protecting him more. And I think she protected him. So we didn't exactly know what was going on. I have two younger brothers. And I remember distinctly, there was one point where he was going to teach his class where he taught like a seminar, I think once or twice a week. And my mom insisted on going with him because she was nervous that he was messing things up messing up names, messing up dates. I'm not exactly sure how messing it up, but she wanted to protect him. So she started telling us that she was going. And that was really the first inkling. You know, he was always sort of forgetful of daily things. So years ago, my mother would always yell at him. He never did it. You know, make a list, make a list so you remember. 
in his 70s, we kept saying it more forcefully. And we all noticed it. You know, dad, make a list. You're forgetting. You're forgetting. Unfortunately, my mom had Parkinson's. So her ability to do a lot with him was rather limited. But as her Parkinson's got worse, obviously his dementia got worse. And now, you know, he, the craziest thing is, is he, if you meet him and you talk to him, he could have an unbelievable conversation with you and ask probing, thoughtful questions on whatever the topic is that you're discussing. And for the first few minutes, you'd have no idea that he has dementia. And then you take a breath. And he asks you the exact same questions all over again. It's just on a loop. It's this constant stream. So as soon as he says it, he's forgotten that he says it. But in the moment, you wouldn't know. It's, it's a crazy thing. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are living in the moment and the moment repeats itself. Over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And how short is that loop? Oh, like, is it's it- getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. You know, it used to be a couple of minutes. Now it's quick. I mean, it really depends on the conversation. So if you get him talking about something, he'll ask you follow-up questions. But the second you take a breath, like the second you run out of, you know, talking, it, it starts up again. And it's sort of like whatever is in his head at the time, he gets things and, and it's just this constant, like, and he'll keep asking and asking, you know, about a particular cousin or one of the kids or, you know, something. And it just doesn't, it doesn't end. And he's never satisfied that he knows the answer. Right. So it doesn't get in there. It doesn't stick. Doesn't seep. Yeah. Right. But you could really ask him anything. I would say pre-1968, he's really good, really good. Family members, you know, so most of the time, that's what we do. I talk to him about things from the past. Right. And that he can talk about. Yeah. Remember with pretty good accuracy, right? It's shocking. Yeah. You know what else is, there's another really crazy thing about the way his brain is working. He was a massive bridge player in his younger years. Great bridge player. Remembered every card could tell you what you played three hands ago. You know, the third trick. He still plays bridge to this day. In fact, right now he's playing bridge for two hours, plays three days a week. And while he obviously is not the bridge player he once was, the fact that he can play at all and can remember enough to play, to me, it's just shocking. Shocking. Yeah, that's amazing. And his bridge partners, do they complain about his memory at all? No, no. If he's wow. late, they call, where are you, Bob? Come down. You got to come play. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's long-term memory. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's huh. crazy. Like what you learn when you're younger, I guess. It stays stayed with him right. and still does. It's crazy. And you, does he, he always remembers you and the family? He remembers everyone. Yeah. Yeah. He remembers faces, certainly, and names too. He remembers. He has a great grandson. So sometimes he forgets his name or forgets that he's there. Or he'll say, oh, do your kids have kids? Where are the grandchildren? You know, like that, mm-hmm. forgetting. But then as soon as you remind him, he'll, he remembers. You had told kind of a funny story, a sad but funny story about after your mom died. Yes. So my mom had Parkinson's for a long time. She was really sick and she was in bed for, I would say, the last nine months of her life. My dad, you know, didn't really know because he thought she would just say, oh, she's sleeping in the other room. 
and didn't really connect how sick she was once in a while, but not often. So when my mom died, well, first of all, the first question was, what are we going to tell him? How are we going to handle it? And there was a lot of family conversation. I basically, or we all decided that we're going to take the cues from him. And when he remembered, then we would acknowledge it. And when he didn't, we would say she's sleeping in the other room, like it has been for the last year. Well, so when she died, we went, the funeral was in Minnesota. So we took him to Minnesota for the funeral. And my dad is 92 and has always been obese his whole life. It's just, it's unbelievable that the man is still alive, given quadruple heart, bypass surgeries and everything else that he's had. So we took him on the plane. I did alone. <laughs> and we, I couldn't get a direct flight because of course it was very last minute. So we had to change somewhere, Raleigh, maybe, I don't know, we changed somewhere. The whole time I had to buy him a business class seat because he's very large. So we were sitting in business class and everybody's listening to his conversations and they could hear him asking me the same questions over and over again. Like, where's Bobby? You know, his, my mom, where's Bobby? Where's Bobby? And I kept saying, well, she's on a direct flight. She's meeting us there, which was true. (laughs) It was true. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Finally, you know, after this whole, you know, you can only imagine, first of all, he talks to every single person. So we got on first and he talked to everyone that came on behind us, joking and making silly comments and whatever. So we're finally on the way down from North Carolina to Minneapolis. And the steward, (laughs) this has never happened to me before. The steward came up to me. And meanwhile, everybody in business class is listening to him asking me the same questions over and over and over again. They all knew every single thing. So we're on the way down. They say, buckle your seatbelts. The steward comes up to me and hands me a full bottle of wine and said, I think you need this more than anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Take this with you. You're going to need it. They were all so nice. So unbelievably supportive. Sad, but funny. Oh, goodness. And you probably did need that alcohol. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Was it tough? How did your dad deal with her funeral? And A lot of the time he forgot. When mm-hmm. he remembered, when he asked us a straight question, she's gone, isn't she? You know, in that way. Yeah, we acknowledged it completely. And this happened for, I would say, for months after, maybe four months after. He would say, why can't I remember? He, he would get more upset by the fact that he had, wasn't able to remember that she was gone than the fact that she was gone. Although, I mean, it was both. Then it was this, you know, just, it was devastating all around. It was really hard. But now- Reliving the grief of it all. Every time you told him, it was brand new information and he had to suffer all over again and then suffered because he couldn't remember and what kind, you know, what a terrible husband he is. How could he have forgotten this? You know, it was awful. Now he doesn't, really ask and doesn't really remember. He just sort of thinks she's sleeping. The only times that it's really hard is when the entire family is together with him. Cause those are times that my mom would have been there. And that's when he sort of remembers and gets very sad. I'm sure. And tomorrow's mother's day. Is that something you guys are going to be celebrating or, or yeah, we... but I really, um, I don't want to torture him. So I'm not telling him we're okay. just going to go. We'll have brunch. We'll hang out. It just doesn't, it seems cruel to tell him. Why should he remember if he doesn't? I mean, maybe that's selfish. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to do that to him. He's happy. He's basically happy every day. Why should I, you know, make him sad? (laughs) 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Why make him sad? No reason to. If he doesn't remember, no reason to. Right. Yeah. I hope that's the right answer. I don't know what the right thing is, but. You know, the right thing is whatever doesn't cause agitation, whatever keeps him calm and happy. That's the right answer. Yeah. So where is your dad living now? He's living in an independent living facility called V in Aventura, not far from me. And I know you had sent me those some questions. And one of the questions was, what do you wish you had done differently? And I honestly wish we had sent him here, sent them much earlier. We went probably two years before COVID. And my mom, by that point, was already in a walker and she wasn't so great, but she was really not recognizing the fact that she wasn't so great. So when we would go to look, she would see all the women who looked exactly like she did with their walkers. And she would say, oh, I'm not old enough for this yet. (laughs) (laughs) And then my father would accuse us of warehousing them every time we suggested it. So we didn't do it. And then finally, a couple of years before COVID, we insisted. And at that point, they were ready and they were happy to go. And it's an unbelievable place. From the second they moved in, the administration sets them up sort of with dates, with dinner dates with other couples and other people. And they have all these activities and an amazing gym. And they're constantly taking them here and have this lecture and that lecture and bridge and canasta and a million activities. And my biggest regret is that they really didn't have enough time to enjoy it. It's really a Mm. shame because if they had gone five years earlier, I think my mother's quality of life would have been better. I think my dad, maybe the dementia would have held. I don't know if this is true scientifically at all, but it just seems like the more stimulation maybe for longer would have been better. But then when COVID hit and they were stuck in there forever, you know, I mean, thank God they were there because the place delivered three meals a day and they were so safe and so secure. And so that was the silver lining. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who would have ever imagined COVID? But you're right. Thank God they were there and not home by themselves. Right. right. Yeah. So he's there and he's still in the independent part. He's in the independent part. We talk to the administration very frequently about should he move to assisted care because they have a separate tower for assisted care. But he's doing great. I have. I mean, okay. we're let me just. <laughs> preface this, we have 24-hour care for him. So I'm unbelievably lucky. I have an incredible team of women. We have four women that sort of rotate in and out, and they are loving and caring. And I just don't know how I got so lucky. Mm-hmm. And they've been, they, we started obviously with my mom, and that's how it started because my mom needed the help. They've stayed on and are devoted and wonderful. And they are the ones, they're really the caregivers. I mean, I just get to go in and have fun. I play bridge with him. I laugh, we joke, we look at pictures. And then I go and they're the ones who have, you know, it's they're the ones who bear the burden and who are, it's really work and really hard work. And I'm unbelievably appreciative of them every day. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you found a great team for him. Women who love him, who are patient, who will Incredible. listen to the same over and over, over and over. <laughs> yeah. His same responses, his same questions. Oh my gosh. And you're right about the stimulation. I mean, you, it's hard to know scientifically, as you say, like, would that have saved off his memory loss? Who knows? But certainly they do suggest as much stimulation as possible. Socialization, all good. Does he have friends there? Yeah. He plays bridge three times a week. There's like some memory 
counselor that comes twice a week. He goes to lunch downstairs. He goes to dinner. I mean, I think it's as much as he can be given his both physical limitations and mental abilities. But the place is just wonderful working with us. I mean, we thought the second my mom was gone, they would insist that he go to the assisted living. And they very correctly said, as long as he's doing okay and he's not wandering off or getting lost or, you know, harming himself or anybody else, let's keep it. It's working. He's fine. That's so great. Good. Yeah. And better to keep him in the environment he knows, the room he knows. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That was the, my biggest fear is how are we going to change, you know, his routine? And he still gets up in the morning and he makes his coffee. I, I don't know if he actually drinks the coffee that he makes, but, you know, the aide oversees him. No, it's like a his routine. Right. So absolutely. anyway, works. And you travel a lot. So does he really, no. does he know when you're there, or when you're gone? He has no, no sense of time. No. no time. No timing. No. And your brothers, are they, do they go over and visit? I have one brother who also lives in Miami and he comes to see him frequently. And my other brother in Minnesota, who actually splits his time between Northern Florida and Minnesota. So he comes to see him when he can too. And you know, what's amazing is FaceTime. You know, we, I FaceTime him a lot. I FaceTime him with my kids and grandkids and it's amazing. And he can understand oh, what's yeah. happening. Oh, totally. Which is shocking. You know, he takes the phone, he first puts it up to his ear. So for the first 30 seconds, you have a great view of his inner ear. And then eventually we're like, dad, look at the phone. Just look, look. Mm -hmm. He does. Oh, goodness. Yes. That's great that you can do that with him. Yeah. Yeah. No matter where you are. Wow. So you're right. I mean, he's content. All things considered, things are pretty good. It's amazing. Yes. It's yeah. astonishing. Every time I leave him, I can't, I just, I can't believe it because he's been heavy for so long, has so many health problems. Nobody thought he would live this long. Nobody thought he would outlive my mother. First of all, even when she had Parkinson's, like never in a million years, did we think he was going to outlive her. And here he is. And he's happier than he's ever been. He used to be battling Bob. He used to be uh, cantankerous and he is not. As this thing set in, he became easygoing, (laughs) happier. You know, it's crazy because most people, I mean, I don't know this, but from the stories that I've heard with dementia, get hostile and defensive and very nervous and anxious. And he's done the opposite. You know, he must feel well cared for. He must feel safe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, he must feel nurtured and safe in this environment. And he's okay. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it is crazy. Crazy great, really. Yeah. I mean, oh, all things amazing. considered. Yeah. Just lucky. It's mm-hmm. just luck because it could have easily been the other way, too. You know, you never know. You never know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they say. You know, one person with Alzheimer's, you know, one person with Alzheimer's. Everyone's different. You just never know how people are going to be. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about, things going so smoothly, it seems. So how have you managed to cope with this over time, kind of seeing your dad decline, both, uh, well, mostly mentally, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, physically too, but that's not, was never a surprise. You know, the thing that we have found that works the best with him are photo albums. So he, we had a big 90th birthday party for him a couple of years ago, two, two summers ago. And he obviously doesn't recall that, but 
my sister-in-law brilliantly made a photo album. So anytime he asks, oh, I haven't seen the family in so long, somebody pulls out the album and he pages through it and he looks at himself with, all, with everybody around him and things like that. And so now every little, every event, we try to make a little album. So he has some recollection and we have a lot of pictures all around of weddings and the brisses and, you know, whatever family events where he is. I have a picture of him being there. He'll say a lot of the times, wait, was I invited to that? And I'll say, yes, dad, you were invited. You were there here. Look, here's the picture. Yeah. Then you can point out and relive it all over again. Right. And Instagram videos. Great. Because you could just sit and watch it. Over and over and over again. Instagram videos, Instagram pictures. Right. Scroll right. through. You could do that for hours. Do you have one of those things in his room that like it circles the pictures? You know, those, I forget what they're called, but they're oh, like, like little, those electric like digital photo, photo albums? albums. Yeah. No, but what a great idea. I should get And he that. can, yeah, then yeah. he can see pictures of yeah, the great grandson. That's a great idea. Those are fun. Yeah. Music. Does music, is that? He listens that to you music. Guys use? He used to really when he was younger. He loved the opera and concerts a little bit, but not so much. Doesn't mm-hmm. really. It soothed my mother. We used to have a lot of music on when my mom got bad. It helped her relax. But I don't think it has any bearing on my dad. He loves to watch movies. He sits and watches movies all day long. Oh, really? What does he watch? Action movies where there's, you know, he can't follow the story anymore. Oh, you know what? Oh, the best thing. I mean, he watches this. He must watch this 10 times a day. There are two things. He loves My Fair Lady, watches that over and over again. And he loves there's this documentary on Jews on Broadway. (laughs) And he watches that, I don't know, five times a day, 10 times a day, over and over and over and over again. Completely Mm -hmm. forgetting that he's seen it before. Every once in a while, he'll say, this looks a little familiar. Have we watched this before? <laughs> no, never saw it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Those characters. Well, I could recite the entire documentary yeah. myself by heart. Oh my gosh. But movie musicals hilarious. that he knows the story and knows the songs are great. You know, things that he knew when he was younger. So like Sound of Music or King and Yeah, I, I don't know why. Like Sound that. of Music he doesn't love. He loves My Fair Lady. What's the other one he loves? I can't remember. But My Fair Lady seems to be a big, very popular. Big hit with mm. Bob. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have these things because you know how late in the afternoon, you know, it, it's a long day, right? When you not, yeah. when you don't have a lot to do. So to put on a movie he late in the afternoon. Too. He, he naps. naps. He definitely yeah. naps. Like and he'll have he an activity up, and either an activity in the morning or an activity in the afternoon, but not really both. Like today he's playing bridge all afternoon. So we're not going to take him for dinner. We're just going to, you know, bring in, stay in. Cause it's enough. Like one activity a day is good. It's good for him. Oh, okay. There you go. And if he naps, it doesn't, does he wonder no. if it's daytime, nighttime when he wakes up? No, we, I got one of these digital like clock calendar things. It's this large, I mean, it almost looks like an iPad that I put right in front of him and it has the date and the time in very large letters. So I think that helped a lot, but yeah, nothing to orient him. bothers him. Uh, he just, just keeps rolling. That's great. <laughs> Which if you knew him, 
younger, you would never, ever think. Not in a million years. (laughs) No, you'd think he'd go down fighting. (laughs) Really? That's a blessing, right? I mean, that is. Thank God. That's why when you asked me to join you on this, I mean, I compared to most people, I have just such an easy situation. Sorry. Well, it's never, I mean, yes and no, you know. Comparatively. I know, you know, many people have very difficult situations. You know, either they're the living caretaker. I mean, I don't have that. I get to go and have fun with them, really. Which is lovely. Which is lovely. For both of us. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't remember it, but it's good for me. Right. But you get to remain the daughter, which is great. You're not the caregiver. And you're able to have all these special moments with him, even so it's real, literally the moment. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Is there anything that you remember from kind of the beginning, like when you were trying to figure out what was going on with his memory? At one point, my parents have a very good friend who's a pediatric neurologist. And I called her and said, you know, my dad is doing this. He's very forgetful and this and that. And you know, one time he got very disoriented driving and she said, I think you better take him to a neurologist. So I took him down to the neurologist. We got an appointment with somebody that she knew, pulled a lot of strings because, you know, it's not so easy. He knew he was going to the neurologist and he memorized things that he always forgot, like the day and, you know, who the president was, things like that. He knew. So he must have sat and memorized it without anybody knowing. So we get into the neurologist's office and the neurologist starts asking him questions. He knew everything. Okay. He told him to pick. I can't, there was some test where you, I'm going to tell you three objects and then I'm going to ask you later on. He got, he was perfect. He remembered everything to the point where he turned to me and says, do you see, she's crazy. They're crazy. My daughter and my wife are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> He knew what was coming and he prepared. Oh, he knew. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just shows you, you know. Right. Well, he's smart. I mean, so what did they finally do? Did they end up doing like neuropsych testing or did time just go on and it became more evident? I mean, it was obvious. They put yeah. him on some sort of medication. I can't remember what it was. Aricept, probably. Yes. Yes. It just, you know, slowly got worse and worse. And it was pretty obvious what it was soon after. Right. So you didn't have to go crazy getting a diagnosis. Everyone was. Why? For what? Yeah. What reason? Exactly. That's smart. Yeah. Saved you and saved him. He would have been humiliated or embarrassed. Why? Right. That's what we decided. Even now when he doesn't remember something, you know, I I don't, I don't tell him, oh, I just told you that. I I mean, why should I do that? No. You don't want to make it just feel tell bad. them all over again. We just start the conversation again. As if you haven't had it four times before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's not, ta- you know, it's taxing. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy, you know, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, what most people talk about is distraction. They go on to something yeah. else. Yeah. Does he like sports? You can talk about basketball. He used to, but he, he can't really follow it. He doesn't follow uh, it. You know, he used to be a huge football fan, so we'll put the football game on Sundays, but he doesn't really, he can't really connect the dots anymore to pay attention. So, yeah, that's hard. I don't have sports. So, there's always my throw lady. Yep. Always my truth, throw. On <laughs> <laughs> truth on Broadway. Truth on Broadway. 
Oh, goodness. Well, Val, it's so great to see you. Thank it's you. Oh, it's so fun to talk to you. So fun to talk to you. I love you. I'm really, I'm happy you're here this morning sharing your story. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave me a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at DementiaDiscussions.net and please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions.